morning, everyone. Uh, can everybody please stand as I uh, read the word? Um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. If you have your Bible, you can look at it there. I believe it will be on the screen as well. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those who following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go. Let it be done just as you believed it would have been. And his servant went and was healed at that moment. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Dave. You guys can have a seat. Thank you, Dave, for your first reading with us. And your last reading with us. <laughs> uh, Dave was reading from our NIV Bible, and I had changed at the last minute the translation that we're using today to ESV. So that's why there was a slight difference. Um, that's what I'm using today is the ESV translation. Um, but you got, you got the gist. It wasn't too far apart. Um, so we're continuing through the book of Matthew. This is a series we've been doing. And as of late, as of last week, we, we jumped into this section of the book of Matthew where Jesus starts to do these miracles. And, and the, kind of the title over these next uh, two months has been authority over the curse. That's what we're kind of calling it because that's what Jesus is doing. He's demonstrating his authority over the curse of this broken world. Now, you don't have to be a Christian, and I, and I, and I know that not everybody here is a Christian, um, uh, and which is what we always hoped for. People would come in and explore the claims of Christ with us, that you feel comfortable doing that. Um, but you don't have to be a Christian to look around this world and go, yeah, this world's broken, right? I don't think anybody would look around and go, no, this is exactly the way it's meant to be, right? It's broken. Human beings treat each other horrifically. Uh, we don't get along with the environment. We abuse it. There's earthquakes and hurricanes that come our way. The animals. Nothing works the way it's supposed to work. Our physical bodies. The Bible says, and the Bible says it happened because the first two human beings rebelled against God. They were originally given authority over this earth. They were told, you're going to have authority over this planet. You're going to uh, be in charge of cultivating it and caring for it and gardening it. And making the whole earth beautiful, um, all they had to do in, in order to maintain this authority, all they had to do was stay submitted to God. And God gave them one command to demonstrate or exercise that submission, not to eat from this one tree. But so long as they stayed submitted to God as king, they got to have authority over this earth. But in Genesis chapter 3, what we read about is how they, they said, you know what? 
we don't need to be under God. We can be like God. They believed this lie, and so they ate this fruit. They broke this command. Uh, They were looking for autonomy. They were looking for independence. And what happened was that they lost the authority that they had over this earth. Everything was subjected to a curse. Everything stopped working. The, the, The ground would be toilsome now. We, we wouldn't enjoy the work that we were meant to enjoy as much as we were meant to enjoy it. Man and woman, husband and wife, wouldn't get along the way they were meant to get along, right? All because, ironically, they thought that by stepping away from submission to God, they would have more authority, and they lost the authority they had. Just like our oldest daughter, Kayla, when we put her in charge of her sisters, if, you know, Justin and I have to do some work or something, hey, take your sisters and for the next couple hours, whatever. If she either abuses that authority, tries to get them to do stuff that they're not supposed to be doing, you know, making them polish her shoes or something, really abusing that, or neglecting that authority by sitting on her phone the whole time and letting them run crazy, she will lose the authority that she has. She has to stay submitted to mom and dad. Or a police officer, right? If he either abuses his authority by using his weapons at a time when he is not supposed to be using that, then he should have his badge taken away, his authority taken away. Or if he neglects the authority, he watches some old lady, he gets robbed, and he sits there, doesn't move a muscle to save her, he should have his badge taken away. He should lose the authority that he has. So our authority comes by submission. It was lost in the beginning, and God promised There's coming a day, to those first two human beings, God said, there's coming a day when the seed of the woman will crush the the, the Satan who has ruling over this world now, bringing havoc and curse. There's coming a day when the seed of the woman will crush the serpent, the Satan. Many, many, many years go by. Many, many years go by, and then finally, a baby is born to a, a, a... a woman, a young teenage girl, Mary, and it's Jesus. And we read, read about that in, in, in Matthew so far. And he grows up and he gets baptized. And he begins his life in perfect obedience to his father. He's tested in the wilderness and he overcomes that testing in a way that the first human beings didn't overcome. And then he teaches. We spend ten weeks or nine weeks teaching about the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching about the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God's like. But now he starts to demonstrate that he's got power and authority over this cursed world. He starts to show that he brings the full weight, the full authority of heaven into this cursed world. And he started with a man with leprosy. He healed a man with leprosy. Leprosy is part of the curse. All sickness and disease, part of this cursed world. And Jesus brings the kingdom of heaven and absorbs that leprosy. We saw that man get healed, restored back to community because he was an outcast, a social outcast because of his disease. And now we're going to see today another encounter with another person who is in need because, because the, the curse of this world is wrecking his home, but he's also an outcast in, in, to the Jews and for another reason. We're going to see why. And Jesus brings his authority to the situation. What we're going to zero in on and focus on is the authority of Jesus. How this man recognizes Jesus' authority and he recognizes Jesus' grace. So the title of today is is called, He's in Charge and He's Full of Grace. That's the title. That's what I want you to get. He's in charge and he's full of grace. Okay? So let me just pray that that we would get this. Jesus, 
Let us get it. 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 Let our hearts be pierced with this, this truth that you're in charge. You're in charge. You're in charge. You have the authority over all things. And you're full of grace. And you're full of grace. There's no earning. There's no proving. You're in charge and you're full of grace. Let us get it. Open our hearts. Open our eyes. Open our ears. Let us get it. For those of us who think we get it, for those of us who think we get it, let us get it even more. Let us get it even more. In your name, amen. Okay, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8, like uh, Dave said, 5 through 13. Now we're going to go through it slowly. So here we, here we go. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. So a centurion comes to Jesus. He's got a servant at his home. The servant is suffering terribly. He's paralyzed. We don't know how he got that way. We don't know what was wrong with him. Luke's gospel, Luke's version tells us that this man is at the point of death. That's all we know. And the centurion comes to Jesus. Now, who is a centurion? A centurion would be a Roman soldier. That means he's not a Jew. That means he did not come from the line of Abraham. That means he was not part of the Jewish faith. That means he is from a polytheistic culture that worshipped many gods. That means he was part of the government that had pillaged and raped this local people, including the Israelites. That means that he was among the people that, that the Jewish people had great disdain and contempt for. That's who this guy was. On the outside of the covenant people. And he comes to Jesus. And actually, he's not just a Roman soldier. Being a centurion meant he oversaw a hundred soldiers. Century, centurion, you know, you get the hundred, right? So he oversaw hundreds. So that means he probably was even more despised by the Jews. You, right? You, 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 the person who has more authority that you see as corrupt, you, you, you blame them, right? The president gets either all the credit or all the blame. This guy got more disdain, I'm sure, from the Jewish people. And yet, while Jesus is surrounded by Jewish people, this man comes to him and says, Lord, Lord, or Master. And we don't know why he came to Jesus. We don't know what led up to this. this his, his servant said, maybe, maybe somebody said to him, hey, listen, you've tried praying to all these gods. There's this guy out there. They think that he might be the Jewish Messiah. Go to him. Maybe somebody told him to go to him. Or maybe he saw Jesus do these miracles. Maybe he saw some of his teachings. We, we don't know. We don't know. But, but for whatever reason, he, he, he stopped looking for solutions elsewhere, and he came to Jesus. And what's interesting is that it, the, the Greco-Roman system, like, you, he, if his servant is no longer effective, one thing I read was that you could, you could kind of just kill your servant, and not, not a big deal. But this guy had care for and compassion for this servant of his. So he came to Jesus. And I just want to pause and ask this question before we even continue. When you're in trouble, is Jesus one among many solutions, one among many helpers, or, or is he the one you run to? And I'm not asking that like, like you know, obviously you, you probably assume what I believe should be the right answer, but I'm not even asking you to, to say this is what the right, I'm, I'm, like literally identify what is it, what happens in trials. Because maybe you're a Christian, you've been a Christian many years, but when something happens, when a trial comes, you run to Google, you run to that doctor that you think has all the answers, you run to somebody else, and Jesus is like the last resort. I don't know, but identify it, ask yourself. 
Because nothing like trials test who do I look to truly as my Lord? Who do I look to truly as my Savior, the one who can rescue me? Identify that. See if you can just identify it in your heart. Who do I, do I turn on some preacher, pastor? Oh, maybe he's got some answers for me. Right? While the Bible's sitting on your coffee table, you're turning on something on TV. Oh, this is my favorite preacher. Maybe he'll got something for me. What do you look to? Right? How many to make fun of your favorite pastor, preacher? Maybe I'm your favorite, but I'm not the one with all the answers, as many of you know. Let's keep going. Next verse. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Okay, let's go. Let's go heal him. Now, interestingly though, Jesus being a Jew, for him to go into the house of a Gentile, a non-Jew, he would be considered unclean for a period of time. So this would be a, a, a burden for Jesus, inconvenient for Jesus to go into this man's house. He's willing to do it. He's willing to make that sacrifice. But that's what would happen for a Jew to go into the house of a Gentile. And look at how the centurion responds in verse 8. The centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, that's, a, that's quite a response. Two things are uh, shown by this response. Number one, when the, when the centurion says, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, he, despite the responsibility and the power he has in the Roman government, he recognizes his lowly stature before Jesus. Now, that's... Not always the case in our world. The higher up you are, the you know, more that you've climbed the corporate ladder, the more you've accomplished, the more businesses you've started successfully, the more money you have, the harder it often is to recognize your lowly stature before the God of the universe. This man did. He recognized, I am not entitled to have you come under my roof. He knew it. He knew it. He's right. And the truth is none of us are entitled to be in the presence of God. That's, what the, that's the whole story of the Bible. An unholy, sinful people not worthy to be in the presence of God. This guy knew it. This guy recognized it. This would contrast to many people of Jesus' own people who believed that they were entitled to the kingdom of God, entitled to the inheritance of God because of their uh, lineage, because they came from the line of Abraham, because they were part of the Jewish community. By birth, I'm, I'm entitled. And Jesus will contrast that. That's why he will say later on, you've got to come to him with a childlike faith. That childlike faith has to do with recognizing your insignificance. Because children were seen as insignificant in that time. To be seen but not heard, right? Not very significant, and yet, they would not be afraid. If you know a little child, right, they, they, they're not afraid to express their, their need, what they want. They don't barter. They don't come saying, hey, I, 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 did, I did this so I'd get to, do, you know, or you know what, I'm not worthy because I had a bad week. No, little kids, little kids are just like, I want. Little, you know, my, my, my little girl Tessa, she's still kind of in that, that range. We're not, not super self-conscious. I want this. Well, you're in trouble. I still want it, right? That's the kind of faith. And this guy recognized, I'm not entitled to have you come under my roof. And yet, I'm needy, and I came to you. I'm needy. And then, the second thing is, he expressed his confidence that Jesus had the authority to grant and meet that need. To grant his request and meet his need. He recognized that Jesus had the authority. So much so, that all Jesus had to do was say the word. 
and I know my servant will be healed. Again, this will contrast to Jesus' own people who will doubt him and speculate about who he might be. They are the ones who have the Jewish scriptures, who have the Old Testament, the Torah, the Pentateuch, which says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth by speaking it into existence. That's what Genesis 1 tells us, that the God of the universe spoke the world into existence. And this man recognizes that Jesus only has to speak a word. He's got the same power of the God, the same God who created the heavens and the earth by speaking it is this man in flesh. He sees that. All you got to do is say the word. I get it. I get authority. I get how it works. I tell people under me to do it, and they'll do it. I got people over me. I submit to. I get it. You came. You're in charge. You say the word. And just like the world came into existence, my servant will be healed. He got it. He got it. Oftentimes, we fall on one extreme or, 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 or another. We either think that we're entitled because of what we've done. I've gone to church. I went, you know, serve, served in kids three times this month. I read my Bible. I got baptized, so I deserve. Why isn't God answering this? I deserve this to happen. And there's this entitlement. Or on the other extreme, we think that because we had a bad week or because uh, we've got a pretty broken past or a pretty broken present, that why would God heal me, bless me? Why would God intervene in this situation? And both are rooted in a religious mindset. Both are rooted in a religious mindset where I do for God and he'll do for me. I fail to do for God and he won't do for me. That's a religious mindset. I was at a, the cleaners recently. A few weeks ago, I stopped and picked up some shirts from the cleaners. And there was a woman there that I hadn't seen before. And she had... Um, cross earrings, I believe it was, or maybe a, a necklace, and I asked her about it, and we started talking about her faith, and at one point she w uh, um, kind of shared with me about her husband who was battling cancer, and she said something interesting. She said, you know, I pray, I pray for mercy, but I don't dare pray for healing, and I said, why don't you pray for healing, and, and she, you know, she said, no, no, I just, I just pray for mercy, like mercy I get, I get, you know, I, I don't deserve that, but healing, that's way too much to ask. And I was like, you know, the Bible tells us we can pray for healing. You know that, right? So we, we had a little conversation, but I just thought that was interesting. And I think that shows where many of our hearts are at, even if we don't say it like she would say it. We, we have this idea sometimes that, man, God is, like, God is like this celebrity that if we bother him too much, he's going to write us off as like some stalker fan, you know? Like, okay, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough talking. You know, get, get out of here. Or like the president who, you know, only has 10 minutes for us before he moves on to more important people and more important situations. So let me, okay, let me, let me just get this out real quick. Let me prioritize it. I won't, you know. And then we hyperanalyze. Is my need as big as this person's need? This guy's in cancer. I just, I just, I just got the flu. I don't know if I can ask for healing for that one. He's in the hospital. Right? We, we do that. It's a religious game we play. It's a religious game we play. It shows that we lack faith that either Jesus has all the authority or it shows that we lack faith, that he is full of grace. But that's what that centurion believed. That's what he's showcasing here. That he's in charge, and he's full of grace. He's in charge, and he's full of grace. Let's keep, uh, let's keep going. Jesus heard this. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, 
with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Now keep in mind, he's surrounded by people from Israel. Right? Including his disciples. <laughs> he's like, this guy, this outsider, this guy that you guys all despise because he works for the corrupt government hmm? that you guys don't like. The outsider, the guy that you see as a sinner because of the background that he has, the despicable things that maybe he, he's done. <laughs> he's got such great faith that so much bigger than you guys. That's what he's saying to them. I haven't found this kind of faith in anybody else. Any of the insiders, I haven't found this kind of faith. But this guy, this outsider, I found it. And then Jesus continues in verse 11. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now he's referring to the future day when God consummates all things, brings in heaven to earth. There's going to be many from the east and west. That's referring to Gentiles. There's going to be a lot of outsiders who are brought in and are sitting down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the fathers of the Jewish people. They're going to be brought in, Gentiles, like the centurion, who recognize my authority, who recognize that I have the authority of heaven and earth. They're going to be, because of their faith, because of their faith in me, they're going to be included at the table. While, look at verse 12, while the sons of the kingdom, it's referring to those who were born, through the line of Abraham, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So those on the inside who believe they're entitled, who believe they deserve it because of how they were born, what they were born into, their ethnicity, their politics, whatever it is, saying they're going to be thrown out because they don't see the authority that I have. They haven't bowed their knee to me. They're going to be, no, no, this isn't for you. And they'll be thrown into outer darkness. That's this reference to eternity without God. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whatever hell is like, there's some kind of conscious weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what Jesus is referring to here. So a lot of his teachings, right, we like it. Oh, yes, yes, this is great. And then other teachings are like, wait a second, wait a second, wait. This is one of those teachings that bug us and bother us. But this is something that Jesus said. Why? Because he loves us and he wants us to know. It is by faith in him, the one who's got all the authority and all the grace. It's by faith in him. If Jesus is one of many, right, if Jesus is one of many, then he's not our king. He's not our king. If he's one of many, if he's just a good teacher, if he's just a good prophet, if he's just, you know, uh, in this, at the same level as any other figure spouting off moral codes, then he's not our king and we're still in charge in our own minds. And that's what a lot of people did with Jesus. I want him on my team to do the miracles, but I'm not going to bow my knee to him. I want him to bless me, but I'm not going to bow my knee to him. That's what we still do. We think that, okay, because I was born into a family that calls themselves Christians, I, I grew up going to church, Jesus must be good with me. Right? Be because I, 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 I learned the right things about Jesus, I got it all. I was there. As a teenager, I was there. Jesus was one of many. I believed in him. I understood the story. But I was chasing all kinds of other things as my Lord, my master, girls and partying and sports and anything else I was chasing after as my, as my source of fulfillment and joy. And Jesus was just one of many. I'd call on Jesus when I needed him. Called on him when I needed him. 
And maybe that's where some of you guys are at. If he's one of many, then we're the ones who see ourselves like the owner of a basketball team. Where we're like, hey, I could use Jesus as my point card. Right? And when I need him to run with the ball, get him the ball. But I've got other plays that I use. I don't really need him. He's not the owner of this. I'm the owner. He's, one, he's on my team. This centurion recognized, no, 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 no. He's in charge, and he's full of grace. He's in charge. He's got all the authority. He's, he's elevated above all the other gods that I grew up worshiping. He's in charge, and despite the fact that I've spent my lifetime worshiping those other gods, he forgives me, and he welcomes me in, and he's full of grace. And all he's got to do is say the word, and my servant will be healed. He recognized that. One of my biggest fears for my kids as a dad, I think two of them are in here, is that they're going to come to this church, they're going to grow up in church, they're going to hear the right things about Jesus, they're going to know the right answers, they're going to know that, you know, my dad the pastor told me about this, and my mom taught me this, and we would talk about these things at home, and they would know the right answers to stories, and they would be in some group, and hey, does anybody know about such and such? Oh, I know that story, and they'll tell it, and they'll get little gold stars, and, and little cookies, and little pats on the back, and they'll never grow up with this love for Jesus, where they bow their knee and they go, he's Lord, he's got my life, my life is his. He's in charge, and he's full of grace. It's one of my biggest fears. Knowing the right answers up here. And for those of you who are teenagers or young adults, who your parents, you're, you, listen, this is for everybody. Huh? This is for everybody, but especially those of you who are teenagers and young adults. You're the most likely to be here because your parents got you here. Once you get to be a little older, you ain't getting dragged by your parents. And so my biggest concern for you is that, yeah, 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 I know all that stuff. My mom, my dad, they taught me that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, let me go back and chase up here, and I'll come to Jesus when I have a need. No, he's in charge. He's full of grace. Let's continue. Let's, let's finish this. <clears throat> and to um, uh, verse 13. To the centurion, Jesus said, go. Let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Just go. It'll be done. And he left. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Now, I kind of wondered, what, how, did, how did they know it was that very moment? And I think it's just a matter of basic math, right? If he was with Jesus around 3 p.m. and he goes home and it takes him an hour to walk home and he gets there at 4 and he walks in the door and everybody's like, Hey, look, your servant is all healed. He's up. He's better. And the guy's like, yeah, look, look at me, I'm all better. Look, I'm walking. And then the, the, the centurion asks, around what time was he healed? Oh, it was about an hour ago. And the centurion, oh, that's when I was with Jesus of Nazareth. Just like he said. And then I wonder, what did he do next? I kind of wonder, maybe one of two things. Either A, he said, oh, that's pretty cool. Hey, guys. Next time you're in need, this guy Jesus, he can really help out. All right, back to business. Let's, move, let's get back to what we were doing and working on. And when we have a need, we'll, we'll go find that guy Jesus. A or B, where he got on his knees and he said, he's my Lord. He, he, I'm getting rid of all the other gods that I claim. I'll have some power. I'm tossing them out. 
my life, this household is going to change. That guy, Jesus, he's the Lord. I don't have proof of this from Scripture, but the way that Jesus commended this man's faith earlier, I think Jesus saw this guy's heart and he knew this is going to be the kind of guy that's going to say, all my chips are in with Jesus. Everything's in. Anything else that doesn't line up, I'm tossing out. Because he's in charge and he's full of grace. So, as you can see, this is a story that is about more than healing. Physical healing. It's certainly not less than that. It is a story about physical healing. Jesus carries the authority of heaven into this cursed world, which includes our sinful, rebellious hearts, which includes sickness and disease, which includes the devil, everything under this cursed world, Jesus brings a full weight of heaven to. And he promises one day a full redemption from it all. But it's about recognizing that Jesus is the one with that authority, that he is the one who came from God, that he is the one who came from heaven, representing heaven. He came with the badge, right? He's the one who gets to say, a new sheriff's in town. I'm cleaning up these streets, right? And anyone who bows their knee to me and believes that I paid for them on the cross and grab hold of the cross are going to be scooped out of this cursed world, part of the kingdom of heaven, and then back to the earth when this earth is renewed one day. That's what it's about. And this centurion, this outsider will be included. Not because he deserves it, not because he's entitled to it, but because Jesus is full of grace. That's why he died. That's why he died. And so as we end, I, I want to speak to two groups of people. And I'll call the band up. The band, you guys can come up now as we, as we prepare to, to kind of close and, and respond, right? I mean, that's kind of what we... We want to do. We want to respond. I, I, I at least want to give us some space to respond to God's word. What does this mean for me? So I, I, two, two groups of people. Number one, the first group is to those in need of healing. Physical, emotional, you need healing. Actually, can we stand? Can we all stand? To those in need of healing, any kind of healing. I'm going to ask you in a moment just to put your hand up. Last week we had the prayer team down. We prayed for 10 or 11 people. I'm expecting some stories to come, right? You could get scans and find out that whatever we prayed for disappeared, that tumor disappeared. I'm, like, I'm hoping, we're praying for stories that we can share in the future. Um, maybe next week we'll have a prayer team down front again. But today, not going to do that. All I'm going to ask you to do is put your hand up as an as a, as a admission that, yeah, I'm in need of healing. I'm somebody who's in need of healing. And I'm going to ask you to keep it up. I'm going to ask you to keep it up. Right? Just like this centurion admitted, yeah, oh, man, I'm, I'm in need. I'm in need. I'm going to push through the crowd. I'm going to risk being looked at funny by the Jews, have everybody talking about me. Well, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? Right? If, if, you're, if you're afraid of what everybody's going to think of you by putting your hand up and just keep it down. But if you're like, man, no, 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 I'm needy. And like a child in need, I'm just going to put my hand up. It's not because of you being entitled to anything. Okay? 
So you don't come to Jesus based on when we pray in Jesus' name, we're saying I'm coming in the name, in the righteousness of Jesus that he purchased for me on the cross. I'm not coming with my own report card. So whether you have gotten an A this past week or you've gotten an F this past week, it don't matter. It's not in your hands. Let it go. You're coming in the name of Jesus. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name because he's full of grace. So keep your hand up, regardless of what it is. And band, if you're included in this, you want to just stop playing and put your hand up if you need to, go ahead and do it. That's more important than providing us with music. All I want to do, for those of you whose hands are up, I know your hands are getting tired probably. Keep it up for just one more moment. I just want to pray for you. No, 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 no. I want to pray with you. Would you repeat this after me? Repeat this after me. Jesus, you're in charge. And you're full of grace. Jesus, you're in charge. And you're full of grace. Just one more time. Jesus, you're in charge. And you're full of grace. God, I pray that these men and women would receive that, would, would feel that. You're in charge. You're full of grace. They don't have to hyperanalyze their performance, their faith even. That they would just be overwhelmed by you being in charge, you being in full of grace. That you would step into these situations, emotional healing, physical healing, relational healing. Jesus, I ask that you would bring it. Bring it. Invade their lives. Invade their lives. Let stories pop up over the next few weeks of you doing miracles. Maybe just like the centurion, they will get home today and find out, wow, this situation changed. My body just started working differently. I'm not having those mood swings like I was last week. In your name, amen. Okay, to the second group. To the second group. You have not bowed your knees to Jesus as Lord. I know I was specifically talking to teenagers and young adults earlier. And, and again, I think it especially applies if you know, you're the most likely to be here because somebody pulled you here. But, but this is for everybody. If you're here, I've not yet bowed to Jesus as my Lord. I grew up going to church, maybe. Or maybe I didn't. Jesus, I, I believe some things about him. I even believe he, he died for me and he rose again, but he is not my Lord. If I was honest with myself, I got other things that are my Lord. I got a boyfriend, that's my Lord. I got a girlfriend, that's my Lord. I got money, that's my Lord. I got a career, that's my Lord. I've never given my life to him. Again, that was me as a teenager. It took for God to shake my world in, in L.A. and to bring me to my knees. And that's when I said, all right, it's all yours. I don't, everything else, I'm, it doesn't matter compared to you as Lord. If, that, if that's you today, it's going to ask you to put your hand up. That's anybody in here. And again, if you feel funny about, I don't want to put my hand up in front of people, I don't, what are they going to think? Then yeah, yeah, Jesus is not your Lord, clearly. But if, if today is a day to begin that journey, then put your hand up. Say, yeah, today, today. And if that's you, if that's you, that's you. I only see one. That's okay. If that's you, that one person. If that's you, I want to encourage you. Number one, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. But, number, but, but, but secondly, we got a baptism coming up. We're going to do it in August. Baptism is a declaration. The old me that's a slave to this cursed world is dead. 
knew me, Jesus living through me. He's my Lord now. He died for me. He paid for me. He's in charge of my life, and he's full of grace in my life. All right, we're going to end with a song. And I want to encourage, this is, this is just, this is just, a, just, I'm just throwing this out there, not, no pressure, but if you put your hand up for any of those reasons, I, I would invite you to come, come forward. It's just, just, just a way just to push aside distractions, a declaration that what we're singing, great are you, Lord, that he's great, and I believe it. And there's space down here if you want to come down as we, as we end.